We're talking about finding hope when life hits hard. It's inevitable that all of us are going to have trials. Just because we're believers, just because we're Christians doesn't mean we're not going to have trials, doesn't mean we're not going to have serious trials. It happens to everyone. We're not immune from that. And so we've been talking about how can we find hope when life hits us hard? Well, where do we turn? What do we do? Well, in week one, we talked about the first thing we need is to, to remember. We need to remember five eternal truths about God. First of all, that God is love. He's always acting out of his intrinsic nature, which is love. Second was that, that God is always at work around us. Oftentimes, the hard time we're going through is not just about us. It's about how God is preparing to use us to reach out to somebody else who will go through that same hard time. Talked about God's timing is perfect, although it doesn't seem like it to us. And oftentimes, hard times come at the worst time for us. They say, God, now? Really? Are you kidding? But we need to know that God's perspective is vital. God has the big picture in mind. Then we know also that God's purpose is always pure for us. It's always out of love. It's always pure. He's always getting us ready. He's taking us to a new place, and he'll always be there. So the first thing, when hard times hit, we need to remember these five truths about God. Now, just remembering those really doesn't connect us with God. So that's what we need to do next. We need to not only just think academically about those five truths, we need to make those five truths alive in our lives. And we do that by turning to God first. You know, don't make them second, third, fourth down the list. Just turn first. Since God is love, since God's always at work around us, since God's timing is perfect and his, his perspective is critical and his purpose is pure, we need to turn to him right away. Go to him first. Don't treat him like a fire extinguisher. We'll break only in case of emergency glass, you know. Go to him first. Then we need to talk to him productively. Well, sometimes we go to God in, in, in our prayers and in our talk with him. We're, we're counterproductive. We, we, we need to remind ourselves and talk to him and, and affirm who he is and who he's been in our life. And we need to talk to him in a positive, hopeful manner rather than just whining and complaining and begging and, and all that. God wants us to, he wants to see our faith. Then we need to we worship him energetically. At the end of that song, how great thou art. Did you notice we broke into spontaneous applause? Why? Because God, the Holy Spirit, was using that song to encourage us. He was using that song to, to remind us of who he is, and, and we were reminded of the power that is in us. And see, we need to worship God during the hard times, especially, and take these hymns and the songs that you know and get to a place and just sing them at the top of your voice, and you'll be amazed at how God will minister to you. Then we need to thank him expectantly. You know, when we go to God, we don't go to him with hope. We go to him with promise. And our hope isn't like, well, I hope I win the lottery or I hope I win the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstake. It's my hope is this, that my confidence, my hope is in Jesus Christ. So what do we need to do when hard times hit is we need to remember five things about God that are true. Then we need to connect with those five things, not just up here, but here in our hearts and our spirits. Then we're ready to act. Then we're ready to act. Then we got to do something. You know, so many people stop with those first two. They'll get there and they'll, they'll remember God and they'll thank God for all that and they'll, they'll connect with God. And then they're just kind of waiting on God to do everything else. But, you know, that's not how God works. We got to act. We got to do our part. So what do we do? Well, there's a couple of givens. And, and this, um, this really isn't even your notes, but if you want to write these down, get plenty of sleep. 
especially when hard times are hitting. Make sure you get plenty of rest. Sometimes we, we let ourselves stay up all night and we're watching TV all night trying to numb ourselves and medicate ourselves and it's going to have the adverse reaction on us physically. Eat well. Make sure that you're not just eating Taco Bell. Now, I love Taco Bell as much as anybody else. But if you go to Taco Bell, get a salad instead of 10 burritos, you know. Eat well. And then stay or get physically active. Now, you don't have to, if you're not used to working out, you don't have to go to the gym and spend an hour on the treadmill. Just go outside and walk briskly for 20 minutes and then build it up to 30 minutes. And, but get active. Those are just givens to help you to physically be well to face your challenges. But we're talking about spiritual warfare here. So what can we do that is practical and yet spiritual? Let me challenge you with this. Write it out. Write it out. Get yourself a journal, get yourself a notebook, and, and, and take 15 minutes every day just to write about how this challenge or challenges has impacted you today and, and how it has made you feel today. Write that out. Now, the reason this works and, and, and is a useful tool in confronting hard times is this. When we're in the middle of hard times, our mind is racing usually. Think about it. Your mind is racing. You're thinking this scenario and that scenario, and your mind is all scattered, and you're all over the place, and, and you're just thinking, and your mind's on overdrive all day long. When we take time to write down our thoughts, write down our emotions, we minimize that random mind boggling, confusing, frustrating kind of exercise of our mind just spinning wildly out of control. We begin to take control of our thoughts. Now think about this. The largest book in our Bible in the Old Testament is the book of Psalms. The, basically, the book of Psalms is this. It's the psalmist writing out troubles and putting them on paper and working through them with God. For example, look at Psalm 3, verses 1 through 3. David Oh, Lord, how many are my foes? He's getting attacked. He, he's having a hard time at work. His coworkers are on him. Of course, he's the king. He's got a lot of coworkers. But he says, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying to me, God will not deliver him. But he says, but you are my shield around me. Oh, Lord, you bestow glory on me and lift up my head. See, he's writing it down. And not only is he writing it down, but he's going back to the, remember these truths about God. In Psalm 5, 1 through 3, he says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sigh. Now we're sad, see? Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my request before you and wait in expectations. He finishes the thought in verse 4 through 6. You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men, the Lord abhors. See, he's not just thinking this. He's just not praying this. He's writing it down down on paper. And doing that has a tremendous therapeutic value of keeping our thoughts from being random and scattered and, and frustrating us to returning some control to us. Now stick with it. At first, it might even be painful to write these thoughts down and painful to admit how you're really feeling. But stick with it and over time, you will see that this exercise of just writing out, just like the psalmist did, will help you to regain control, will help to eliminate your fear of the circumstances that are 
confronting you. Then tackle your problems. Take them on. Don't sit back and let them control you. You aggressively, through the power and faith of God, because you've remembered him, you've connected with him, and now you're marching forward. Remember we, we, in the last message, we looked at Second Chronicles and, and, and the story of Jehoshaphat and them, uh, the armies besieging them. Well, God told him that he was going to deliver them, but he said, here's what you do. You put the choir up front, and they were singing glory to God, glory to God. You march out to war against these, these invading armies. Now, by the time they got there, God had already manipulated circumstances, if you remember, where the enemies turned at each other, and they killed each other. And by the time they got to the battlefield, everybody was already dead. It took them three days to plunder, get all the plunder from the battlefield. But you know what? They had to march out to that battlefield. They had to take action. They had to take their troubles on. They had to tackle their challenge. Don't sit in self-pity Or just start blaming everybody else for your problem, for your hardship. See, that's counterproductive spiritually. It's counterproductive emotionally. It's counterproductive physically. See, that just makes you feel less powerful. That makes you feel like everything is controlling you and you have no control. Write down your thoughts. Now, this isn't the same as we were talking about before, about writing your feelings and how you're confronting that day. This is write down your, write down your troubles. Write down what's bothering you. Maybe it's just one big thing. Or maybe it's one thing that has several different offshoots of it. Put them down on paper. Write them on paper of what your challenge is. Then list as many solutions as possible. Whatever comes to your mind, just write it down. Maybe you're having a financial problem and you, you need money. You say, well, I can rob a bank. Well, write it down. I can become a drug lord. Okay, write it down. I can do this. I can, do, I, I, I can tap my rich Uncle George. Well, write it down. Whatever, anything pops in your head, just write it down. Put it down. Then assess your list. Then go back and say, okay, now robbing the bank's probably off the list. That's probably not going to work for me. Uh, the drug cartel, no, that ain't going to happen either. And just assess your list then. Look over that list. And then kind of prioritize which solutions have the most merit. Which solutions maybe initially are the least complicated, are the least risky, the least threatening. Maybe call Uncle George, you haven't talked to him in 10 years, and just call him up now, and you know, he, it's not going to be a good thing. Well, then, then maybe that's not number one on the list. Maybe that's not where you should start. But then put into play in your life your most reasonable solution or solutions. You've assessed them. you put everything down, every possibility down. Now you're saying, okay, now here's where I should start. This is what I should do first. Now, maybe you start there, and, and, and that doesn't work. Well, then don't get discouraged about that. Don't say, oh, this doesn't work. Then, then, then what you do is you, you scratch that first solution, and you go down the list. Okay, all right, that didn't work. I'm going to do this. Maybe that won't work. And say, oh, man, this just doesn't work. Well, no, no, wait, wait, wait. You just keep going down the list, having eliminated anything that's illegal or immoral or unethical. And then just keep trying it. See, because you're in the process. See, what happens is you stay in control this way. Instead of allowing your hardship to control you, 
You're in control. You're still doing something about it. And as you do one thing that may fail, God might open up another idea, another opportunity, bring a new resource into the picture. Because you're staying active and you're not just staying home and having a self-pity party and you're not blaming other people, you're in control. Stay in control. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good things. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if what? If we don't give up. See, when hard times hit, it's so easy to emotionally give up. It's so easy to spiritually give up. It's so easy to surrender to, to physically and just sit around in a chair and just stare and let our mind wander or, or, or just watch TV and try to medicate our feelings. Stay active. Shift your thinking. Remember, most of the battle that you're having is in your mind. That's where most of it is going on right now. In your hardship, because you're just spinning, and you're spinning, and you're spinning. Look at what Job says. Job is familiar with hardship. Job 30, verse 27. The churning inside me never stops. Days of suffering confront me. Now, I will propose to you that there's a cause-effect relationship in that verse. It says, the churning inside me never stops. Therefore, my days of suffering continue to confront me. See, I think they're related. As long as we're, we're churning on this problem and we're just turning it over and over and over and we're creating all these scenarios that, that are horrible that, that, that we think could happen and we're, it, it's consuming us mentally, consuming our every thought and our emotion, that, you know, what's going to happen? Then our sorrow is going to increase. Why? Because we're focused on the negative. You know, usually when hard times are there, we're not thinking about the positive end of the hard times. Say, well, you know what? Hard time, this could come out of this, and this can come out of that, and, and I might lose my job, but I hate my job. I might find a better job out of this. Now, we're always thinking, how am I going to pay the mortgage? How am I going to feed my family? How am I See, we're always thinking negative. And as long as we are thinking that way, then we're going to have self-fulfilling prophecy. Look what the psalmist says instead in Psalm 119, verse 50. My comfort in my suffering is this. Your promise preserves my life. Here's my comfort in my suffering. God, you are always love. God, you are always caring. See, what we need to do is we need to go back then and repeat lesson one. That's how we're shifting our thinking. What am I doing? I'm going back and reminding myself that God's love and that he's always at work around me and that his perspective is critical and that, that his timing is perfect and that his purpose is pure. See, I'm going back. That's what the psalmist is saying. I'm comforted in my suffering in this. I, I just keep focused on your promises. Then we go back and, and, and do number two. We reconnect. We reconnect with him. And we do that by turning to him first. Don't turn to him last. Turn to him first. And, and then talk to him productively. And worship him energetically. Thank him expectantly. Say, God, I, I don't know when, I don't know how, but God, I thank you that you're at work and somehow you're going to bring good out of this. Some way, somehow. you got to shift from thinking and looking at yourself as a victim to viewing yourself as the victor. See? Because we, we, when we're in our hardships, and, and until we do this, we, we, we're looking at our victimization 
of what might happen to us and what has already happened to us and all the complications and all the consequences and still of believing that we're victors. Look what the Bible says about those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. In Romans 8.37, it says, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. You're not a conqueror, you're a victor. You're not a wimp, you're a powerful spirit being. You are already have the victory because God's going to give you some form of victory in your hardship. Maybe not exactly what you're asking for, maybe not what you ideally want, but you've got to understand, you are more than a conqueror, not because you're so clever, not because you're so smart, not because you're so socially connected, but because of him who lives in you who you've now tapped into because you've remembered who he is and you've connected with who he is. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 declares this. His divine power has given us almost everything we need for life. Some of the stuff we need for life. What does it say? Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us up by his own glory and goodness. Now, there's kind of a cause-effect relationship in that, too. It says he's given us everything that we need. Problem is, for us to know what he's given us and to claim what he's given us, we have to grow in our knowledge of him. That's why we're here today. That's what we're doing today. We're growing in our knowledge of him. We're growing in our knowledge of the word. And as we grow, we understand more, and we see God differently, and we understand what is available to us. Philippians 4.13, you should memorize all three of these verses, and I put them on your, your notes so you can go back to them, but it says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. In the old King James, it's, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, you, you got to know that and memorize that verse, and in your hardship, you need to claim that verse. You need to, to shift that thinking. I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. I'm not the conquered, I'm the conqueror. I've got power, I've got strength through him who lives in me, and I don't care what comes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, that's who you are. And you need to start thinking of yourself that way. Instead of thinking of yourself, oh man, oh me, oh my, what's going to happen? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Man, God's got it under control. You just need to connect with God. Finally, you need to stay positive. Stay positive. Don't let yourself get discouraged and and depressed and all that. You need to stay positive. You know, happiness, a book came out many years ago by two professors, Minneth and Meyer, Frank Minneth and Paul Meyer. I had them for class when I was in seminary years and years ago. They wrote a book called Happiness is a Choice, and you know it's true. Happiness is a choice, not circumstances. Happiness is a choice. I choose how to respond to my circumstances. I choose how to respond in my relationships, and I can choose happiness. I can stay positive. I really can. And I said, now how do you do that? Well, let me tell you how you do it. You, you do this. You connect with others. See, when, when hardships come, we have an amazing tendency to isolate ourselves, don't we? You know, people call and they want to go out and want to have dinner and all that. And we, no, 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 you you guys go ahead. I I don't feel like it. And what we tend to do is we tend to isolate ourselves from everybody around us. 
And we're just sitting there and we're churning up our mind and, and we're, we're not active. And, and then what happens? Our problems increase. See, we need to connect with other people. Take, you know, call somebody. Yeah, let's go out and see a movie. Yeah, let's go out and have dinner. Yeah, let, let's go to the park and just walk around. Let, let's go bowling. Let's go do whatever. But you need to connect with other human beings, especially with other believers. Now, with that, keep this thought in mind. Well, Ecclesiastes says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. That's why you connect. But you need to distance yourself from toxic people. Not get with just anybody. You know, don't get with those people who just like to moan and complain about life and they're always negative and they're always gossiping about somebody else and the woe is me kind of a people. Distance yourself from those people during your hard times. Now, you can be polite about it and say, hey, listen, my schedule's just getting really crazy, so if I don't call you, if I don't talk to you for a while, don't be offended. I still love you. I, I, I'm just going to be uh, preoccupied for a while. You don't even have to say, you're a toxic person and I'm not supposed to talk to you during this time. <laughs> you know, I'll do that. Just tell them, hey, you know, I, I, I'm going to be get really busy for a while. I'm going to be preoccupied for a little bit. And so, so if you don't hear from me, don't be offended. We'll, 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 get, we'll cut you up down the road. See, but you've got to distance yourself. Why? Because they're going to pull you down. And Satan is going to use them to pull you down. Divert your attention. Again, that's part of shifting your thinking. Stop obsessing on the hardship. Go out and do some other things. What do you like to do? What's your hobby? If you like to go play tennis, go play tennis. If you like to sew, then sew. If you like to paint, then paint. If you like to read books, read books. But do something other than sit around and worry about your problems. Because you're not solving anything, and all you're doing is you're churning that butter again. And you're just going to drag yourself down. Help others. That's one of the best ways to divert your attention. Every one of us have had this experience where we were down, all of a sudden, an opportunity presented itself that we could help do something for somebody else. Maybe somebody calls, hey, come over, and uh, can you help me with this? And we go over and help them, or, or we stop because somebody's broken down by the roadside, or we know somebody's hungry, and we go get them a bag of groceries and put it on their porch. Every time we do something for somebody else, out of our own volition, not because we've been m- manipulated to do it, we always feel good about it, don't we? We always walk away and say, oh, that felt good, that, that's good. Because we have a sense of purpose and we've been selfless and we've looked out for somebody else. See, when you get in the hardships and hard times come, instead of focusing on you and looking for everyone to come to you, you go to everybody else and you just start helping people and you watch how your countenance will change. You watch how your emotions will change. Laugh a lot. Whatever it takes for you to laugh, laugh. I love what the Bible says in Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good what? Medicine. That's what you need. You need a cheerful heart. But a crushed spirit what? Dries up the bones, see? Again, it's a choice. I can choose to take a dose of cheerfulness. I can laugh a lot. Or I can do what I'm probably already doing and just let my bones keep getting more crushed and my spirit getting more crushed. What causes you to laugh? Maybe it's watching some comedian. Man, in the day of technology, you can find any comedian anytime. Bill Cosby, I always loved Bill Cosby. 
If you ever saw his thing himself, he talks about being in a dentist's office. He talks about growing up. Every time I look at that thing and watch that thing, I'm crying. I'm laughing so hard. Yeah, but whatever it is, you know, or whatever makes you laugh, then engage in that activity because you need to laugh a lot so that you're not crying a lot. So you're not whining a lot. But when life hits hard, you got to act. You can't just sit back. Now, you need to remember God first. You need to connect with him second. But then you got to act. you got to do something. Don't allow yourself to get paralyzed by your circumstances. Don't allow yourself to be forced into isolation. Get out there and do something. That is going to be part of the solution. Do something to help others and do something to stay positive and connected to God. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. How about you? Has this little mini-series kind of resonated with your life circumstances right now? Well, maybe this morning... You, you need to take that first step again and just remember who God really is. Remember that God is love and he loves you. He's not abandoned you in your circumstances. And even in whatever's going on, he's loving you and he's reaching out to you. Understand that he's always at work around you. Maybe what's going on right now is not just about you. It's about somebody else. And so maybe... Instead of looking down at the ground, looking at your feet, maybe you need to be looking around and say, okay, who, who else might be going through this? Who else might God want me to, to reach out to? Just remember that God's purpose for your life, even these hard times, is pure. Connect with Him. Talk to Him productively. Worship Him energetically. Right now, thank Him. Say, God, I thank you for this trial. Because God, somehow, some way, you're going to teach me something new about you through this trial. Somehow you're going to draw me closer to you than I've ever been before. And then this morning, right now, determine that you're not going to sit in isolation anymore. You're not going to be paralyzed in inactivity anymore. But you're going to take this formula that we talked about today. You're going to start writing it down. You're going to tackle your troubles today. You're, you're, you're going to, to move off of ground zero. You're going to shift your thinking, and you're not leaving here defeated because you are not a victim. You are a victor. Now, all these are tools that Christ has given you. Today, as we prepare to close our service, we're going to observe communion. As we observe communion today, this is our reminder that Jesus gave us. That everything that we've learned from his word today is true and that he is love. He loves us so much that he was willing to die for us. You can look up. As you receive the plate, first take a cracker and put it on your lap and then take the cup and hold it until all have received. And then we'll partake of it together. 
the Bible tells us that we should not enter into this ceremony without examining ourselves before the Lord. And so right now, you know, examine yourself. And what, what do you need to talk to God about before you take this as a believer? Is there unconfessed sin you need to confess? Is, maybe it's exactly what we've been talking about today, and you've been letting your hardship get the best of you. And, and right now you need to say, God, I, I apologize for that. I'm, I'm turning back to you. I'm not going to let this hardship take me down. Greater is he who's in me, God, who you put in me than he's in the world. Help me with my faith. Maybe just talk to him about that. But maybe you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. If that's true and you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, or if, if, if you are hoping that somehow you're going to be a good enough person where God is going to welcome you into his kingdom, then, then you're in real trouble, my friend. You're, you're in eternal trouble. And, and your peril is much greater than whatever hardship you're going through right now. Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Because we are all sinners, because we've all offended God, because we've all disobeyed Him, we've earned for ourselves death. And there's nothing we can do about it. No way I, I can take all the bad things I've done, all the wrong things I've done. I, I can't have a do-over in life. And even if God gave me a do-over right today, I'd mess up again. So would you. God knew that, that we were helpless. So that verse says, the wages of sin, Romans 6, 23, is death. But, and I love that conjunction, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, God knows that that's our condition. And he knows there's nothing we can do to change our condition. So God offers me, he offers you a gift of eternal forgiveness. That gift is what John 3.16 talks about. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will never perish, but have eternal life. See, that's a gift. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says it this way. For by grace are you saved through faith. Listen to what it says. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that none of us can boast. So, well, how do I receive this gift? Now, this is where it gets really complicated. You have to ask God for it. That's it. That's it. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's all he asks. He's just, God says, just believe what I've said about myself. Just believe what I've declared about my son. And if you just believe that, and if you transfer your confidence off of your own goodness and you transfer your confidence off any denomination or anything but Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, he said, if you'll just do that, I'm going to give you the gift of forgiving everything you've ever done and everything you'll ever do. And I'm going to give you the promise of eternal life with me. If you've never done that, you can do that right now, right where you sit. Just ask him for it. Just right now, confess to him, God, I, I haven't lived perfectly. I, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness, and I get it. The only way I can have forgiveness 
is if I believe who Jesus Christ is and what he's already done. So, God, I want to do that today. Today, I call upon the name of Jesus Christ as my Savior. I transfer all confidence off of myself, off of anything in this world. I get it. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus, be my Savior. Jesus, forgive my sin today. Today, I believe on you. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, these things I write to you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, a lot of folks say that's really easy. Yeah, it is, but it came at a price. It wasn't easy to God. It wasn't easy to Jesus. And Jesus wants us to remember that it wasn't easy, that it came with the ultimate sacrifice. And so on the night he was going to be betrayed, as he was celebrating the last Passover with his disciples in the upper room of a house, Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, and he passed it to his disciples. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner, Jesus took the cup, and he passed it to his disciples. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Then as a church, we know that as often as we do this, we eat this bread and drink this cup, what we're doing is we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Hey, Jesus is coming again. I believe with all my heart he's coming soon. I think everything in this world lines up perfectly for his return. I think he's coming soon. I believe he could come in my lifetime. I believe he can come in your lifetime. I really believe that we can be the generation that gets transported. Amen. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great if it happened right now? The trumpet of God sound, we're just all out of here. That's going to happen one day. Well, life hits hard, and then nothing's going to change that. But when life hits hard, say this I am not the victim. Say that. I am not the victim. I am the victor. Say that. I am the victor. Say it again. I am not the victim. I am the victor. Believe that. Own it. That's what God promises you. Father, we thank you for what you've done for us today. God, we thank you for your truth, and we thank you that you haven't left us hopeless in the trials that come to us and the hard times that come. And when life hits us hard, that's okay. It's going to happen. We just understand that. But we also know that when life hits hard, you're in the middle of it. You're not on the edge of it. You're not far away. We don't have to grab your attention and, and tell you what's going on. You know it, and God, you're already at work in our lives. We just need to stay connected to you. Lord, we prepare now to give you another form of our worship this morning, and that's our tithes and offerings. Jesus, you spoke more about giving than you did heaven and hell because you know that, that it's one of our ultimate expressions of surrender to you. Lord, I pray as we give our gifts today that you'll see that surrender in our heart, that you'll see that humility, and that in our gifts we'll be saying to you, God, we realize that everything we have comes from you. And all we're doing now is giving you back a little part. It's a little love gift, God, just saying, thank you, God, and I love you. Bless our gifts. Use them 
to reach people around the world for Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.